0: Radio Influence. .com. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at CrushPerformance.com. Yeah. Welcome everybody, I hope you're having a fantastic week so far. You know, in the world of sport performance and athlete and player development, as much as we focus on helping our athletes and players train, practice and improve their performance, and as much as we want to get in the game and compete, when you look at the big picture of sport performance, injury prevention is king. This week, I want to talk about injury prevention strategies and that incredible multi-team approach to player and athlete support that exists at the professional levels of sport. You may have heard about the concept of performance teams in elite sport. Yes, we have the managers and coaches, but what I'm talking about here are the people working with the players every day, not only to help them perform at their very best, But who also work to help prevent and treat injuries the athletic trainers the physical therapists the massage and soft tissue specialists the doctors the mental performance coaches the nutritionists the video analysts and the strength and conditioning and sports science experts who all work together under the same roof to maximize team performance Coming up in the show, we'll talk with TD Forrest, the head athletic therapist for the Edmonton Oilers of the National Hockey League. We'll take a look behind the curtains of professional hockey and ask TD about some of the strategies they use to track their players and keep everyone healthy and on the ice. And I'll ask him what advice he has for developmental and youth athletes and their families as they work through the sporting landscape. It's an important conversation to have at this time, especially with the historically high injury rates we're experiencing in virtually every sport and at every level of sport now for sure there are a number of different reasons for the rising injury rates and as an athlete coach or parent you just need to be aware of them we can look at year-round competition or over scheduling as a culprit we could talk about the downside of early specialization in a single sport especially if it involves year-round competition there's poor diet lack of sleep improper training the list goes on and on and on so to keep it simple Here's the conversation I have when I first sit down with an organization, team, or athlete. It sounds something like this. So when we look at injury, injury prevention, injury management, and return to play, it's important to start off by understanding why injuries happen in the first place. And there's a couple of reasons we know for sure. One, the catastrophic incident, a collision or a fall or impact that causes harm. Most common in the contact sports, in football, collisions and concussions. In hockey, you know, sliding into the boards or a brutal body check or getting hit by a puck. In baseball, sliding head first into the base or getting hit by a pitch would be a good example. And then you have the lack of preparation. The fact that maybe an athlete isn't quite ready for the sport demands. And this is a big one for me, an athlete that's just not prepared for the sport. This is where you see overuse injuries. In tennis or golf, you might see elbow issues. In swimming, you'll see shoulder problems all of the time, knees and hips for runners, or bone density issues for our cyclists. In the fast-paced team sports where you're avoiding or interacting with an opponent, like soccer or football, you really have to pay attention to the non-contact, ACL, and knee injuries. Those are all examples of the risk factors of not being prepared for a particular sport. But then there's the overlying theme of sport performance in general. If you're not conditioned, or you don't have a great base of conditioning, or if you don't get enough recovery between practices and games, well, that's a recipe for disaster. The third main reason injuries happen is mismanagement of workload or return to play, including coming back from an injury. This is why all of our performance programs are set up around our top five priorities. Number one is always, and without question, written in stone, rest, recovery, and sleep is king. Understanding and managing rest and recovery is critical for any coach, any player, and any parent at every single level of sport. But especially for youth coaches who may not know everything that their players have going on in their lives. They have school, work, maybe private lessons. Maybe they're working with a conditioning coach. Uh, They might be playing other sports or with other teams. And this is why when it comes to youth sport, we encourage the athletes and their parents to take charge of protecting themselves. There is a relentless and endless pull from the multi-billion dollar industry that is now youth sport. And it's with the greatest of intentions that we're now over-scheduling and jam-packing our schedules to the point where there's absolutely no quality rest and recovery anymore. So really think about prioritizing rest and recovery in your program. Try to think of maybe being at the highest level of readiness each and every day. That right there is a great start in protecting yourself. Our second priority is nutrition and hydration. It's a close second, but second nonetheless. Then we look at posture and range of motion around the joints. And then for athletes and for sport, we really focus on movement. Once the rest and recovery and sleep is in place, once we have a great plan for nutrition and hydration, once we know the athlete's posture, symmetry, and range of motion is where it needs to be, we start training movement. Not even necessarily sport-specific movement, but just movement skills in general. And that unto itself is an art form that can change the developmental pathway of an athlete. And then we have our fifth priority, the newest priority to our list. It only used to be the top four, but without question, we've added the Crush Brain Game because it's that important. If you go back to the Crush archives, you can hear our entire brain game series. We took two seasons to analyze and understand what this brain game is all about. And when it comes to athlete performance and development, trust me when I say sports psychology is just one small sliver of this giant cool thing that is the brain game in terms of sport performance. And for our new listeners who might not be familiar with the crush Brain game, well, I strongly feel that this area holds the greatest potential for pushing human performance forward. The things we know now about the brain and the things we can do, we can map the brain, we can track it, we can teach and learn real-time things we've never, ever been able to do in the history of human development, leave alone sport performance. But there are aspects of the crush Brain game that make it so, so important the part where we look at an athlete's ability to deal with stress or anxiety, or when we look and evaluate their coping mechanisms and their coping strategy. If an athlete is having issues in this area of the brain game, well listen, the brain game quickly becomes priority number one because unless you can handle that stuff, nothing else matters. Do you hear what I'm saying? Nothing else matters. And that's why the crush brain game it's like our rover, our utility, man. It goes where it needs to be depending on the athlete. And That's why that athlete intake, when I start working with a team in an organization or an athlete, an individual athlete, that initial meeting, that initial assessment is so, so important because we prioritize our starting point. That is a great conversation for an entire episode. Let's put that one in the bank and make sure we discuss that this summer because it's just that important there you have our top five priorities for performance in sport it all starts with rest and recovery sleep being king now that rest and recovery piece it's a doozy it takes the athlete in all of the performance team interacting and knowing what the other is doing especially the technical and tactical side we often see a breakdown between the coaches and the performance team, even at the professional level. And if those two worlds aren't working in sync, well, injuries and less than optimum performance. So keep that in mind. Once that's all set up, then and only then do our athletes attack sport performance. You need to be prepared for the sport you're playing. So here's a great example. I've coached my daughter's soccer team for years. Now, this is not a club team, this is a community team. The girls are just playing to have fun. And early in the season, almost every year without fail, most of the team is wiped out after the warm up I run. A warm up, by the way, that's been proven to reduce injuries. It's just that smart. Now, to be clear, I always start off easy early in the season, but regardless, still, most of the team. Are incredibly tired after the warm up. The players that are not tired, well, guess what? They're the players that run cross country or play basketball. They have a great cardiovascular base before soccer even starts. And that cardiovascular base is critical for recovery in every single sport. Now, I'm not saying you need to run marathons or do cardio for hours on end, but I bet you'd be blown away by the amount of running and cardiovascular conditioning our baseball players do early in the offseason before we even start training to improve in-game performance. Listen... Good cardio equals good recovery in every single sport, recovery between innings, between quarters, between periods, between games or practices, pitch by pitch or shift by shift recovery between training sessions. If you recover well, you optimize your development and reduce your risk of injury. That's just how it works. Unfortunately, the problem is amplified. Typically athletes aren't conditioned for great recovery. And on top of that, they're overscheduled and simply don't get the recovery time they need. You have to do more than just play the game. While all sports and activities have their benefits, both mentally and physically, most sports take more than they give back. Meaning, if all you do is play the game, not only will your ceiling of development and potential be lower, but you'll soon fall into that danger zone of increased risk of injury, you have to be prepared to play. And on that note, It's tough to do this all by yourself. One of the things I loved about working in professional sport was the team of experts we had in the room, from the medical staff, the athletic trainers and doctors, to the physical therapists. We had massage, postural experts, nutritionists, mental performance experts, and then it was us, the strength and conditioning and sports science specialists, All of these professionals working together in the same room. It was a true, true team effort and I love it. I do miss it. Unfortunately, we don't have that immediate access to all of these experts where we need it most at the developmental levels of sport. Well, at least not until recently. I'm currently involved with an incredible group at Advantage Sport Medicine and Physiotherapy here in my hometown of Edmonton. And we're putting together the finishing touches on our Crush Advantage performance programming. And the thing I love about this most, The athletes we work with will get as close to that professional athlete performance support, the locker room approach, as you can possibly get without actually being in professional sport. Stay tuned for more on that. I am so fired up about that program and the impact it's going to have on our athletes, teams, and organizations as they work their way to their dreams and goals. Now, all that said... Let's get to it. Let's take a look behind the curtains of an NHL team with our good friend TD Forrest, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers. And we're joined now by our good friend TD Forrest, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers. TD, welcome back to Crush Performance, my friend.
1: Hey Crush, good to be here. Thanks very much for having me. Looking forward to our chat. Yeah, absolutely,
0: TD. You know, when it comes to injury and injury prevention, this is such a great time of the year to have a discussion like this. Well, there's never a bad time, truthfully. But, you know, right now in hockey, for example, we can look back and reflect on the competitive season. And one of the things I've always been interested in is sort of watching very closely the ebb and flow of an annual program, but maybe even more so the competitive season to see if there are times that athletes are more susceptible to injuries. Is it early in the season? Is it mid-season? Or is it getting towards the end? And if you're in a playoff push, does that contribute? And then you can adjust the way you manage your athletes according to that. You know, if we look at football, we know there's more concussions in the fourth quarter in hockey. We know the third period is really, really important or preventing uh, concussions and and serious injuries. So these are strategies that we can use if we understand what's going on. And this is where we can really focus on workloads and manage recovery strategies so our athletes not only perform better, but also have a lower risk of injury. Is that fair enough?
1: Yeah, no, I think you're you're right there. Um, I I would also say that uh, if guys have had, you know, injuries earlier in the year, they're coming back now. And sometimes you've got to be careful that they're not susceptible to something again. You know, I think in general, we, we see most of our injuries in the first half. Uh, and I think that's partly because teams and players are, are prepared to uh, sit down and, and take the, to take their time in the first half of the year. And in the second half of the year, you're usually trying to push for a playoffs, or, or in our level, they're, they're pushing for a playoff. Uh, uh, a job for, for next year or for the new team or, or whatever team they're with at the time. So but it's, always, it's always good to talk about you know, ways to try and manage injuries and manage player loads.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, we know you guys have a full staff. You have the athletic trainers, massage therapists. You got the um, chiropractors there. You have your strength and conditioning crew as well. And you've got all these people who know these athletes, sometimes better than themselves. It's a really great environment to be in, TD. What are some of the measures you guys take at that level of the game to sort of monitor fatigue levels, athlete recovery, and just keeping your players healthy and ready on a day-to-day basis?
1: Well, you know, I think it starts with communication between all those uh, individuals that you mentioned. You know, we, we have a, a morning meeting uh, every morning, and we go through all the players, whether they're healthy or they're necked up. And um, we go through things that, as a group, we think they may need or things that they need you know, to stay away from. You know, we get a we get a report from each therapist on, on the things that they've been doing with the athlete you know, throughout uh, the day before, and we get metrics and uh, from the strength coaches on the things that they, they may have taken, whether it's, you know, their catapult data or their acute to chronic workload, uh, or if the day before was uh, uh, a forced plate jump, uh, etc. Uh, we have a number of different markers that we use to try and keep tabs. I mean, our strength uh, department does a real good job of, of sort of framing it and putting it into easy, understandable, you know, information, but for both uh, ourselves, both the coaches and the athletes, and uh, I think that that's that, you know that's kind of where it starts. And then once we talk about an athlete, you know what we'll do is we'll look at the things that each person is seen that they, they they can do well or they can't, and then we we have a little discussion on what how can we help this person? Are they ready to to transition to the next stage of, of rehab, or if they're playing, you know like how can we you know keep them in the game and and things that uh, you know we we want them to do, and so. It might be something the massage therapist can do. It might be some rehab that the, the physical therapist or, or the chiropractor or the athletic therapist can do. Or it might be just you know something the strength coaches can work on. Or even it's, it might even be just pulling them back a little bit and, and seeing if we can get them some rest. So I think for us it starts out with the, you know good communication and talking about each player.
0: Yeah, I really like that concept of communication, TD. You know, at the younger levels, as we all know, we don't have all of these experts around to bounce ideas off or express concerns. But for young players and parents and coaches out there, that communication can be as important. Cause let's face it, TD, we know how important it is uh, to play and have a high level performance at the professional levels. But any kid that loves the game, no matter what level they're at, they're playing hard and it's a serious thing for them. So that communication with parents, with coaches, and if they're lucky enough to have a team therapist, that's a really important thing, right?
1: Oh, well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like to encourage teams to try and have at least some some type of medical support, whether it's a, a student trainer or an actual athletic therapist or physical therapist or, you know, I know some minor my teams, you know, there might be a parent or, or an uncle or an aunt that is, that is a physician that they, they kind of help out. And it, it's good to get that professional, you know, advice and, and, and keep that communication with the child and the parent. And, and you know, I get a lot of questions from parents about, you know, what they should do based on what the child has. And, you know, I think the number one thing is that you you got to look at the long-term safety of the athlete. Um, you know, you don't want to put them at risk that's going to affect them, whether it's, you know, for school or whether it's for – for life or for their, for their sport. You always want to, you know, at, at, especially at a younger age, you want you want to take that and, and take care of them first and then decide, you know, how much you should and shouldn't uh, allow them to do.
0: Yeah. TD, we look at the amount of games you guys play. It is a grueling, high-paced, intense sport. We all love the game of hockey. We love to play it. We love to watch it, most certainly. But you mentioned something that I think is really, really important and something we don't talk about enough, and that's the that's the focus on that rest and recovery side. You guys have all these experts on the team, which is fantastic. I really like what you said about the different markers and analytics you guys use to manage your players. Um, but you know, really taking heed of your downtime and your away time is important day to day, but also as the season ebb and flow goes on, um, that can change as well. Heading into the intensity of the of the late season and playoffs. There's a bit different mindset there when we look at, you know, getting into the game because the intensity goes through the roof sometimes.
1: Well, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and that's something that we look at is we try and encourage, uh, you know, the regeneration and recovery. Um, you know, there's a variety of things that you can do, you know, acutely. Um, you know, things like, you know, we're lucky enough to be able to provide, like, massage and, and hot pools and cold pools, static compression devices, uh, you know, sauna steam rooms, etc. But the number one thing that I would say, no matter what level what you play, is you have to maximize your sleep. If you're not getting your sleep and you're not getting quality sleep, nothing else matters. It's the number one thing that I would say, no matter what level you're at, you have to take that and you have to do the best that you can. Because if you're not, you're really not Giving yourself the the best chance that you can to be as as good and as healthy and as recovered as, as you can.
0: Yeah, no, TD, you are. You are preaching to the choir here. I tell you that right now because, you know, in all of our programs, we always start with sleep, rest, and recovery. And I love that. That sets you up on a day to day basis. You know, we, some of our athletes get worried that, you know, if they have a bad night's sleep, it's all over. Not necessarily the case. We look at blocks of sleep, right? And I mean, for our younger athletes and our athletes in general, we look at seven. Seven-day cycles, and if uh, you know our athletes need seven hours a night, we know they need like fifty-six, around fifty, you know, hours per week, and and we try to average that out. And we use naps, rest and recovery, uh, and consistent uh, wake times to really, really keep that on track. Such an important part of the game
1: now, right? Well, without question, and and you know what? It's other than the scheduling of of certain things, uh, it's really not that hard to do um just because it's not like you need special you know beds or special blankets sure there are those things that are out there um but it's not like those are mandatory or those are required you know just by get- getting in your bed earlier you know minimizing your devices before bed giving your your child or your athlete the, the best chance to get a good quality night's sleep makes all the different in the world, and, and then you can build off that with the training and the practice and, and all the uh, mental side of
0: the, uh, of the game. Yeah, TD, hey, do you think players, and, and you've had a chance to work at all levels, and I know you're a dad yourself, so you've you've had young athletes in, in your family and active kids. Um, th- this whole idea about fatigue awareness, and you know, we look at the injury rates in sport right now, there's so many overuse injuries that we think are, are preventable. And a lot of that is managing what we're talking about today the rest and recovery and prioritizing that but i think one of the problem is at every level of the sport we we don't really consider the amount of rest an athlete has we just sort of plug in more work And, and it's incredible if you think about it the body can perform incredible amounts of work and i find sometimes i think that it's not so much that we overwork but we just don't provide enough recovery time does that resonate with you
1: Oh, absolutely. And then, you know, that's something that, you know, we're fortunate we can have those metrics, but it also just, you know, a bit of common sense that, you know, if your athlete is looking tired, if if they're not eating, uh, if they're you know, not sleeping well, they want to sleep all the time. Those are, just, they, maybe their weight is changing. Like those are things that they have to look at and say, you know, is it really worth it to keep activity after activity after activity, or is it better? to do a little less activity and a little more recovery, a little more sleep. And usually, you know, I should say probably pretty much often or always, it's way better to get that recovery. Now, of course, if you go too far in one extreme, then they're going to have detraining and then, you know, they're going to lose some of their skills. But um, absolutely, they, they, they need that recovery. It's a huge part of, you know, especially professional sport, but it should be part of all sports. Hey,
0: TD, for the parents and athletes out there, You know, one of the things we're really trying to focus on here as we uh, uh, hit the airwaves and and share information with people like yourself is the idea of injury prevention because it is a big part of the game. Now, again, you guys have that incredible team around you, those experts in in every field. And, man, wouldn't that be great for every athlete if we just sort of had access to that sort of an environment? But when it comes to injury prevention – um, I've always found that helping athletes evaluate, self evaluate and monitor themselves is one of the greatest defenses when those athletes can understand the fatigue and the signs of fatigue, it can really, really be a uh, shot across the bow in injury prevention.
1: Well, I would agree with you uh, 100%. And it's something that um, you know, I think it falls along with that recovery and it also falls along with you know proper training and and if you, you can prevent the type of injuries that, that uh, kids have, and I, you know, it, it, it could be as ca- or simple as, um, you know, just a, a proper warm up before they hit their the ice, the field or the court, or, and it could also be as simple as getting the, you know, the right, right amount of sleep, like I mentioned. And, um, you know, I, I think that if you can prevent things from getting worse, that person will recover. So instead of it being a three or four or five week injury, it might only be a you know a five to seven day type injury if you get on it, and I think that's one of the hard things for you know youth and parents are trying to decide: though, know, should they keep going or should they not? That's sometimes when you need to sort of look at you know getting some advice from someone in the field or, or someone medically or or someone that's in the profession or or you know a therapist or uh, a, a doc or you know Cairo that that you know, well-known into
0: sport and get some advice from them. Hey TD, I agree hundred percent. And there's those experts, those, those experts do exist in communities. And that's something I've always preached, you know, especially when athletes start getting into the weight training and the more aggressive preparation for sport, that's very serious stuff. And I think sometimes, um, especially at the developmental levels, uh, people don't really understand the implications of hitting the weight room hard and physically changing the body, and what the potential outcomes are, not just short-term, but long-term. Some of those changes are permanent, so it has to be done right. So I love that advice of, you know, getting to the experts in your community.
1: Sometimes you have to be willing to ask people for help. Sometimes you have to be willing to, to you know, use your resources, whether it's your, your healthcare, your extended healthcare, or whatnot, just to try and get you that level of service, that's gonna get you to be able to recover, to be able to get back on the court, uh, back on the field and back on the ice. TD, when we
0: look at annual planning for our athletes, of course, you guys have team goals and goals and objectives for every player out there. And we are encouraging all of our athletes at every level to kind of have that uh, approach because uh, it can really help guide your, your efforts as you go through the season. But we always talk about reverse engineering it, starting at the end, and going back to the start. And one of the things that I've always found impressive, and I've been lucky enough to help you guys out back in the day, uh, doing the sort of the entry physical testing or helping with the uh, entry draft, NHL entry draft testing, to get a baseline of where these players are at. And there's a lot of good things that come out of getting that information. One, you get sort of an idea of where they're at. But because of those numbers, you can also extrapolate areas where they might be at risk for injury, and you can attack that. How important is getting that a sort of initial? information on a player as they come into an organization, a new player, so to speak, or um, annually for players who are returning uh, year after year?
1: Well, absolutely. It's it's critical. You know, back in the days, 20, 30 years ago, we were just trying to see if they were in shape, but now we <laughs> right. know our athletes, our athletes are in shape when they come. What we want to know is we want to know what their baseline is, is that if the you know, God gosh forbid that they actually you know get an injury. Well, we know what they were when they were healthy um, at the start of the year, before all the banging, and all the intensity, and 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 all the number of uh, games start piling up. We know where they were, so when they get hurt, we can look back and we can say, okay, well, they were able to do, they were able to jump this high. Uh, their their strength was, uh, you know, this, their movement pattern was like this, and so that we can go back and look and say, okay we have an idea then of where they need to be before we'll let them come back and have their full activity. And, um, you know, it also does help. Like we we know that especially in youth that they, they can still, um, you know, continue to get stronger, you know, move better throughout the season. As long as that we're, we're not over fatiguing them just because they're growing, they're getting, they're, they're getting more mature. They're getting taller. They're getting heavier. They're getting stronger. And we know, at the youth level, they can get definitely get better. And it's nice to be able to use those metrics if they do get hurt or if if there's a prolonged layoff or whatnot. Those things we can refer back to and just say, you know, this is where you were. And one thing I would say that, you know, I would encourage people with children, especially in contact sport, but really any sport, is if they get a concussion, they should have some type of baseline of what their child was at the start of that year. And it could be as simple as, as, uh, as a concussion scat assessment that they would do as their baseline. And then that way, if something happens to the athlete, you know, a concussion or a head injury or, or whatnot, you can look back on that and then you can confidently say, you know what, you're just not quite where you n- used to be. We need a little more time. We n- need a little more training. And then once they get back to, to, to where their baseline was, you can feel good. It gives the, the, the coach, the parent, the, the athlete, uh, the confidence to say, you know what, I feel good. My 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 baseline is good. I should be able to go back to my activity. Now, if they're ba- if if we think they're back at baseline, and and the athlete feels they're just not right, the coach is just not seeing something. Well, that's part of the plan too. You got to have all those components, not just one.
0: TD, that is such great advice. We're talking with TD Forrest, the head athletic trainer for the Edmonton Oilers. TD, that is great advice. You know, having that baseline, sort of that reference point is so critical. And there are places you can go in just about every community now to get at least what you mentioned, the scat assessment, which is really important. Because, you know, if you think back even to like the Sydney Crosby situation, right, which really opened everybody's eyes to, to the um to the impact of concussion and head injury in sport. You know, we've heard the story since then about athletes who might feel good, asymptomatic, but when they look back and they go through the testing, their scores aren't quite right. Or as you mentioned, they feel uh, they're scoring great, but they don't quite feel right. This is a crazy process that we don't quite have figured out. So it's very individual. And that baseline is critical. Well, yeah, and
1: absolutely. And The other thing is, you know, it's important to note too, since we're talking about head injuries, is that, there are some other injuries that can't ha- give you concussion-type symptoms. Um, so, sure, maybe an athlete does have a concussion, but maybe when they, when they got hurt, they might have had a whiplash injury as well as the concussion. And, you know, you need the experts, the professionals in the community to, to look at those type of cases and say, okay, well, maybe this the symptom that they're having, i.e. a, a headache, for example, well, maybe it's coming from the neck tightness because of the whiplash, and that's what's causing their, their, uh, their headaches. Or maybe they have some vestibular, you know, balance type symptoms that brain is working, it's just that they're still having these symptoms. And so it's part of the whole package. It's something that, you know, I would really encourage you know, parents to look at it. You have to do it yearly, too, especially when you have youth and they're changing. Their, their, their brains are growing, they're, they're, they're getting bigger, uh, you know, their mental capabilities are changing. Um, and that's why you need to do it you know yearly.
0: Yeah. TD, I get you, man. That is a strong, strong message for everybody listening here today. Well, listen, man, really appreciate this conversation. This is something that we just need to keep talking about. Hey, in the big picture, as we let you go here, are you encouraged with the progress in sport from the youth levels? Certainly at your level. There's no question about it. The the science and information that, that's been coming out of professional sport has been tremendous, and there's a trickle-down effect. Are you encouraged from your standpoint in terms of player health, development? We're actually progressing and moving forward.
1: Uh, Absolutely, and I I think that you know we're fortunate because we tend to see, you know, our athletes are able to see the best of the best in their area. So you know, whether they're coming from Western Canada or Eastern Canada or Europe or the States, when we all get together, we, we have you know casual discussions, and our athletes talk about who they see in the off season and then we could say oh that's an interesting idea and then we can you know research it and what we find you know over time is that yes there is that trickle down effect is that you know like the junior players now the, the things that they're exposed to especially in hockey you know they're exposed to now what our athletes were doing 5 years ago right and if you look back 10 15 years ago um, you know they, they weren't and it only helps them know things that they should do, things that they, that they shouldn't do, uh, you know, ma- like I said maximizing their sleep, uh, getting the proper training, getting the proper nutrition it's something that I know that as the athletes the younger they are when they come up that it's, it's quite amazing to see that they've already you know, been exposed to some of this stuff I always say we have to put the person before the athlete so we have to take care of the person if we take care of the person, the athlete will follow. As long as you're always looking out for that child, uh, that 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 young adult, that adult that's playing at the sport, um, you'll be taking care of the athlete as well.
0: Uh, great stuff, TD. Really, really appreciate that perspective, my friend. Well, listen. You guys are into your off season here and I'd love to have a conversation, maybe mid summer here to talk about the off season for hockey players and, and professional athletes in general, you know, that time away from the game to recuperate, regenerate, and get ready for training for competition. Again, that's a big part of the ebb and flow. I'd love to talk to you about that more at some point, TD, if you're free. Absolutely
1: crush. Anytime. I'd love to talk about it. And, uh, I appreciate you helping us out, and uh, I appreciate all the work that you, all the good work you do.
0: Ah, uh, you bet, TD. Thanks again for this great conversation. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, there you go, everyone. You know, I love talking to the pro guys about this stuff. We tend to think that athlete and player development. Injury prevention and sport performance is this giant complicated thing when it's actually really rooted in very simple fundamentals. And you heard it right here from TD, who's one of the very best professionals in all of sport. TD talked about their player screening and red flagging any issues before they ever start. There's a huge, huge focus on sleep, which is very, very cool. You guys all know we've been talking about that for more than a decade. Uh, the importance of the warm up. TD mentioned this, and boy, for people who listen to the show, you guys know that I feel the warm up is one of the most important and critical periods of time we have with our athletes and players. It's also one of the most underappreciated, underutilized. We're going to talk more and more about that, but it's so important. And then there's this thing called workload and player management. Look, don't get confused or overwhelmed by that stuff. It's rooted in very, very simple concepts. The goal here is simply to optimize recovery. And the way you do that is you manage those workloads. And remember the components of workload, right? There's three things you can probably look at. You can look at the volume of your work. You can look at the frequency of your work. You can look at the intensity of your work. And if there were a fourth thing I would look at uh, player by player, it's their efficiency of movement. All of that stuff influences, you know, how much an athlete will get fatigued during a certain training session or competition. We need to make sure as coaches and as athletes that we're providing enough recovery time. That's where the system fails more often than not. And finally, TD mentioned that incredible thing called communication. It's just so critical. It needs to include everyone involved. I absolutely love this stuff. So to wrap it all up, the bottom line is this start everything with what comes last rest, recovery, and recuperation. You need to understand, appreciate, and protect your rest and recovery. If you truly want to, think like an athlete. I'm Jeff Cruschel. I want to thank TD Force for joining us. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. It's so great to be back with you guys again. And hey, if you like the show, please pass it on. Share it with your teammates, your fellow coaches, or your fellow parents. And if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, write me, info at jeffcruschel.com. We answer every single message we get. The Crush Performance Podcast is recorded right here in the Crush Studios. Our distribution partner is Radio Influence Digital Media. Website and educational materials are produced and directed by Debbie Kershell, Miss Crusher. <laughs> theme music, graphics, and video design by Noah Oleksen at Nolexon Visual and Sound. This is season 18 of Crush Performance. To get the Crush archives and to subscribe to the show, go to jeffcrushell.com and follow me on social media. Search out Crush Performance. And stay tuned for the launch of our video series coming soon on the Crush Performance YouTube channel. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance.